0: Okay, Reggie Roo, you ready to go? Let's do this thing. Are you all set? I am. Like where the lovers are, so let's just get started here. Episode 346. Yes, I did just have a birthday yesterday. Yeah, me and Elvis, January 8th. And David Bowie. And Stephen Hawking. And Larry Storch from F Troop (laughs) and a few others actually I think R Kelly I don't I'm not (laughs) I don't really tell people that one anymore (laughs) about 15 20 years ago it was cool to mention that one all right we ready to go all right (laughs) star smile strong three two one hey it's Elton Jim Toronto and this is Captain (music) Podtastic And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. There we are, just sitting, waiting for you to click and listen. However either before or after you click and listen. Then we have another little job for you to get out there and spread the word. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podcasting, And it should be theirs too, especially in the new year. People looking for something new in their lives? Perfect time. New beginnings, new year. Tell them to check out Elton Jim's Captain Podcast. Your loyalty and devotion are much appreciated. Those of you who have done that throughout the year, you saw what happened. I'm sure you all received the gift that I sent out to those who have done a great job of helping me to spread the word about the podcast. If you didn't get something, well, then you know that you didn't do as good of a job as you could have. But those who did, you know who you are. Let me just say, you're welcome. (laughs) If you like what you hear, go to WGNRadio.com, go to the podcast section, hit the prompt for this podcast, and you will find tons and tons of podcasts just waiting for you to, um, to listen to that we've done in the past. I know that I've done at least 345, so welcome to 346. So this past uh, week or so, uh, the NFL really uh, had a a scary event happen during a game. Now, let's be honest. When everything's stripped to the core here, football is a pretty scary game to begin with. I talked a few weeks ago, a few podcasts ago, and that's why I always mention to you, go back. And listen to podcasts past so you can sort of get a sense of where the podcasts of the future are going and uh, keep you up to date in our ongoing dialogue of which this podcast is, at least in my view. And my goal is to make this a conversation between you and me. Certainly there are other people listening as well, but right now I'm in your ears. So it's just me and you. Just you and me, simple and free. (laughs) Thank you, Chicago, the band. Um, But uh, yeah, a few weeks ago, uh, or maybe a month or so ago, I was talking about the the proliferation of gambling sites and online gambling that have cropped up and the commercials are all over the place especially during the heart of football season as legalized sports gambling uh, around the country um, is now a reality it used to be relegated to Las Vegas and certainly in the underground world it was done by bookies who would take bets and pay off and it was it's really gambling that I believe, as I said in that podcast, has really helped elevate football to its status as America's most favorite sport. Um, And it's funny, a couple of weeks ago, I talked on this podcast about uh, soccer and how I actually did start to watch soccer for the first time during the World Cup. And in there, I mentioned Pele. If you listened to the podcast, I I mentioned Pele who by most accounts is maybe the greatest player to ever have walked onto a soccer pitch. The Brazilian soccer star passed away uh, at age 82 a few weeks ago. So I was just mentioning Pele. And sure enough, uh, he passed away. Uh, But football, no question about it. Uh, Baseball used to be the the American pastime, but football has certainly overtaken that in terms of popularity. Uh, No doubt about that. Um, I've said many times, football is the perfect television sport, and we are a television society. I think baseball was the national pastime because there was no television. And it was easy to hear a baseball game on the radio i mean you went to the game but without television it was easier to listen and hear a baseball game being described because its pace is much slower and you and the action is is centralized you know each play begins with the pitcher throwing a ball to the batter and he swings and there's own, there's nine spots on the field where that ball could go or they could strike out. Uh, well there's not really nine spots it, it, it's probably seven spots because well it could, it could go to the pitcher so or it could go to the catcher yeah everybody's everybody can get the ball. but um, it's easier to describe it. the game moves so moves slower so you can create visual pictures easier. In football, on the radio, uh, it's it's much more difficult. There's a lot going on. If you listen to the the football announcers, they've got a lot of every play. Uh, this guy's uh, you know in motion. This guy's down. You know in a in the I formation. There's all the you know, there the 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 defensive back is here. There's all this stuff going on. There's you know there's a lot more players. There's twelve players uh on the te- on, on the field so there's a lot more players going on and 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 people are moving and there's a lot of action and it's, and it's and then the action is all um consolidated into many times a couple of seconds the play happens and and for the most part it probably ends in five seconds you know there's a pass and it goes you know or there's especially a run goes about four or five yards and maybe someone's tackled maybe that takes 10 seconds and then it starts over again, so there's a lot going on you you much rather you much rather want to watch football, but baseball is conducive to radio and so before there was television and we just had radio, that's probably why foot baseball was so popular. It was easy to describe for the announcer, and it was easy to understand and it was easy to focus on listening to it on the radio but once football and television got together it was a match made in heaven As i said many times football is made for television there's there's guaranteed action every 45 seconds there's uh the 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 whole game is right there in the middle of your screen. There's the line of scrimmage right in the middle of your screen. There's one side, and there's the offense and the defense. They're lined up against each other. The play happens. They, they they go into one another, and the play happens. It's right there, and then it's over, and then there's a little break, it gives you time to go somewhere else and you know if you want to get something to, to eat or go to the bathroom and come back you got 45 seconds and then you sit down and boom the action's back again there's no question every 45 seconds aside for commercials and timeouts there's going to be action you can't you you know you, you can't uh you can't guarantee that in baseball You can't guarantee that in any other sport. Now, there's, don't, don't don't get me wrong. There's always action uh, in hockey and in basketball too. But even basketball with the 24 second clock, uh, there's still a a small break there where people are kind of just you know dribbling around and looking around and I mean that's why the 24 second clock was instituted so people so teams couldn't just stall and pass the ball back to one you know back and forth to one another which they used to do quite a bit just to kill the clock The 24 second clock was installed in order to speed up the game but anyway so football there's no question is the most popular sport in america but when stripped of all the the pageantry of the game it's a very violent game I've said this many times every play every time I I just explained every 45 seconds when those players line up every player on that field has the potential and this is just reality. I don't think anybody wants to realize it. I don't think we the audience want to have that at the top of our minds. Certainly the players don't want to have that top of their minds, but when that ball is snapped, everyone on that field has the opportunity to suffer a serious injury. In some cases, a career-ending injury. And in some rare, but still, cases that have happened, near-fatal and catastrophic injuries. It's a violent game. They, I think the NFL has tried to do as much as it can in terms of, um, you know, equipment. There's always upgrades on helmets and pads. They keep trying to change the rules uh, in order to, um, to keep certain players, especially the, uh, the quarterbacks, from getting slammed and hit after a play. They've done a lot to, you can't, but you can't, it's a violent sport, right? It's a violent sport. It, 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 at its core, people are hitting each other. And in today's world, the players are faster and stronger, so those hits that they're taking are harder than ever before. So it's a question. It, it, it's, a not, it's not a question of, of, the, of those who run the game, of what they can do. It's the nature of the game. It's what the game is based on. And we've seen, in many cases, because of the violence and, so because, and because of the, the injuries that have happened, high-profile injuries, we have seen that a lot of uh, you know schools have stopped offering football as a sport. We've seen many uh, park leagues stop offering football for young people. And part of the reason was not so much that they didn't want to. It's just that participants were down. Parents were beginning to take a second look if they wanted their young kids to start playing football at a young age. And as I said on the podcast a few weeks ago, the rise of soccer Certainly violent, there's, there's, there's still contact in it, but certainly not uh, in the same vein as football. Clearly the most violent contact sport there is. And so we try to put that out of our minds when we watch a game. The, the, the observers as well as the participants want to put that violence out and that potential for serious injury out of our minds. Um, But it exists. And we see players get hurt. And we see them get carted off on stretchers. It is very similar to the old Roman gladiator days. Probably the most akin the most similar of the Colosseum for instance in Rome being filled with people cheering on the gladiators who would fight against each other sometimes fight against animals Uh, we are a species of animal ourselves that are uh, we it's in our DNA and uh, and we are trying to (laughs) suppress that 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 genetic code of ours, of the lust for violence, but it's there, and we find ways to uh, to express it, and sport is one way, and football certainly is one way, thankfully, because of equipment and rules, there are less serious injuries than there used to be but there's so many ele- there's so many uh you know factors that happen you know sometimes it's not even a hit sometimes you know somebody's foot gets stuck that's why so many teams now have gone away from astroturf astroturf was great in terms of um upkeep the grass wouldn't be damaged but it was as hard, it was basically a carpet on a, on, a, on a stone slab. It was very hard even when you fell on it. It wasn't soft. And then because of the nature of AstroTurf, um, people's feet would sometimes stick. It wouldn't give. And there were a lot of knee injuries and ankle injuries and leg injuries because people's feet would stick. It didn't have the natural give that a soil has. So while it was good for upkeep and didn't get damaged by the weather, on a, on a more or less, it was doing damage to players' bodies. And now you see more natural gra- gra- grass fields again, and now even some new kind of high tech hybrid. Um, turfs but astroturf was a was a huge supposed breakthrough in the '60s and 70s but soon it became clear at least for football that it was not the best i played on astroturf i played football in high school and uh, it was different than playing on grass on, on, on on soil no question about it and it was harder you could. It was a. It was a different sensation to run on it and to get tackled on it and, and things like that. But as I said, uh, we have tried our best to take as much of the potential for injury out of the game. But it, it, you just. It, it, there's a certain level because the heart of the game is to hit. The other person and and being somebody who played football, uh, you know, you are taught to hit someone hard. <laughs> I mean, that's I, I mean, I haven't been around, you know, coaching football or part of it in you know, in, in several decades. So I don't know what the lingo is anymore. I don't know what but I don't think it's probably changed all very much. Not when I watch the game. People are still hitting people pretty hard. So I would assume that coaches are still saying the same things that, they're, you know, that they said to me several decades ago when I was playing in high school. It's a game about hitting. And as I said before, now those hits are harder and stronger and potentially more dangerous. A few weeks ago, Some people may have been watching. If you haven't, if you weren't watching the game, I'm sure you have at least even heard about this to some extent. There was a a major, serious, and very scary uh, incident on a football field as a member of the uh, Buffalo Bills named Demar Hamlin. Went into cardiac arrest on the field after a play. After he was hit, this is not a knee injury where we see somebody go down and they grab their knee or, or their their hand or their arm or their leg, their ankle. You know, or at least they're they're conscious. You could see many times they're in great pain. Sometimes I said before they're they're. Taken off on a stretcher, which is never you know fun to look at, but this was eerie and scary, and it sent home the message and to some extent, the Emperor had no clothes here the the sport was shown for what it is a very violent sport. Hamlin was hit. And went into cardiac arrest. Now, people think cardiac arrest is a heart attack, but it's not. There's a heart attack and there's cardiac arrest. They're two separate and different things. Yes, both each deal with the heart. Both are very serious, but, uh, but they're different. A heart attack is a circulatory problem. There's a blockage. The blood isn't flowing. The heart is beating. But the blood is not getting to the body because of a blockage. The heart's trying to pump. And it, this blockage somewhere in a vein or an artery is not allowing it. But cardiac arrest is, and don't get me wrong, I mean a heart attack is very serious. I'm not downplaying a heart attack. But cardiac arrest means the, the heart stopped beating. Cardiac, heart, arrest, stop. Hamlin's heart stopped after he was hit. Now, thankfully, he was resuscitated and his they got his heart beating again. And he's now, at least at when I'm recording this, he's in intensive care. But he was on a ventilator. Thankfully, after a couple of days, his need for the ventilator was decreased. At one point, he needed 100% of the ventilator to keep him alive. After three or four days, that got down to 50%. And as I said, by when you're listening to this now, um, hopefully his uh, condition has continued to, to improve. But this was serious stuff, and it was pretty scary. So much so that they suspended the game. They stopped playing the game. That's a big deal. That's a big deal to stop the game. And there was a hush on the crowd. The players on both teams, that was the the most... I mean, it was very scary and eerie to see Hamlin down and to watch what was happening in terms of the trying to resuscitate and get his heart started again. But then what you also began to see were how the other players on both teams were reacting to this situation. Many of them were in shock. Many of them were crying. As I said before, if you play football, you, you have to put the, the realities of the game out of your mind, because if you thought about what could happen to you on every play, if you're a logical person, you would not go out on the field, right? If someone says there's a, a, a house is burning, you don't run in it. you we you know it's it's also our instinct and our nature, well as I said before we have we have a violent nature it's also we have a survival instinct that's as strong as our lust for violence, and so we 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 do what we can to be safe so that we won't be we won't harm ourselves so if You looked at the realities that I just laid out to you before about how every play with all the hitting and running and and shifting and, and, and whatever, all the things that happen in football, every play that is in a football game is a potential injury situation for every player on that thing. Every player on every play is hitting somebody in some way. Some harder than others, but somebody is 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 involved in some kind of an activity that can injure them on every play, and in many ways, it could as I said before certainly end your career and in those rare occasions become something near fatal like this that happened to uh dinar Hamlin but wow it was it was quite a uh it was quite a scene to see these players. Uh, and I'm sorry, it's Damar. I'm sorry, I'm saying Dinar. It's Damar Hamlin. I'm sorry to see um, to see Damar Hamlin just near death, heart stopped on the field from a hit. Now there are some times, and and, and 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 it and from what I've been reading about it, th- this may have just been a perfect storm. You know the, the, what happened to him may may not have been, uh, you know, it doesn't happen every day. But it doesn't matter. It can happen. And and for all that denial or all the blocking out that players and coaches may uh, may need to do emotionally and psychologically in order to play that game when everybody gets up and the next play happens then you get lulled into a false sense of security until someone gets hurt and in someone like this from what i was reading one one um one doctor one cardiologist said that what may have caused this you know there's you know your heart beats and it in in you know there's a bump, bump 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 and there is a millisecond in between when one chamber beats and then the next one beats to keep things going there's a millisecond there but there is time it's not it, 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 it they don't overlap there's there is a there is a time lapse between when one chamber beats and the other one does and he was saying that perhaps in that 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 millisecond of an interval, that's when as his heart was beating normally. But there's that millisecond between dump dump. That's if the, if that's when the 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 hit to his chest happened. That could have caused his heart to stop. I mean, that think about the chances of that. But as I said before. There are a million, well a million, but there are many circumstances and situations and scenarios for injuries to happen. And we've seen this one. It was very harrowing to see it, but it did remind everyone involved in football. The players, the coaches, the fans, the owners, the television Everybody who promotes football, everybody who participates in football, anybody who works or is in in, in in any way associated with football was reminded of its danger and its potential fatality. Now, thankfully, Damar uh, Hamlin did not die. But there's no reason why he couldn't have thankfully people got out there trained people and they were able to to get his heart beating again i don't know i'm not a doctor i don't know how much time he had and hopefully whatever i mean his heart stopped so uh, hopefully they got it beating quick enough where there won't be any permanent damage because once again we need that blood flowing at all times to our brain and parts of our body So uh, he's certainly not out of the woods yet. And who knows if he'll ever play football football again. Maybe this will have been a career-ending injury because of whatever trauma happened to his heart. We don't know yet. At least, as I said, I I record this podcast before, so I don't know what the latest will be on him. But hopefully, I mean, as, as... Weeks and months go on, we will get a clearer picture as to the full extent of the injury and and implications for his career, but he's only twenty four years old, and he's got the rest of his life to think about so While football is America's most popular sport, reeks in billions of dollars reaps in billions of dollars through gambling, through television, through merchandise, there is a huge risk factor. And this injury certainly either reminded people or (laughs) educated people on the true violence and potential for injury that football has. At the same time, nobody is forcing people to play football. And the colleges are in high schools and colleges are filled with players whose dreams are to play in the NFL. So I don't know if we can ever ban football. Yes, there's a, a growing, a, a more growing concern over the injury possibility, and and some people are choosing not to play. But there are some sections of the country where football is ingrained into the culture, and the thought of not playing football—you've seen the TV show Friday Night Lights—and. I mean, there are, there, are, there are regions in this country, there are cities and towns in this country where football is the main reason, is the main activity. Football is a part of our, of our national culture. But we cannot deny its violent nature and the realities that can result from that violence on every play. So I said, I played football in high school, only for a couple of years, though. I never, I played football, I mean, I played touch football, we used to play tackle football on, you know, on the, on the front grass and things like that, with, with equipment, sometimes without. I had a friend of mine who was playing, I believe, tackle football without equipment. He broke his neck. He came, and I'm not even exaggerating, he came within a couple of millimeters of being paralyzed. It's a violent game. Thankfully, he's he's fine, but he was 18 years old when that happened, and that could have been the rest of his life. I uh, was, all, I, as I said, I never played organized football, but I had the build for it. I was very athletic, um, and so... Uh, and i i i liked playing football but i never played in, in an organized league i always played baseball and i played hockey and and then in grammar school i played basketball but i never played football in an organized league i played pickup games as i said um but i had the build for it and i had the athleticism before for it so i went to when i went to high school there was a lot of pressure on me from my peers and from others to play football. Oh my God, you should be playing football. You're built for football. You should play football. Play football, play football, play football. And I was a good enough athlete that even though I didn't I wasn't uh you know trained from a young kid, I I was I I, I did have a natural ability. And so I went out for the football team freshman year, having never really played an organized league, and I wound up, you know being the starting fullback and a starting linebacker. So I played on both sides and played offense and defense in every game. But I have to say that I I after my sophomore year I quit. And and, and you know, I'm what, maybe 16 years old at the time? But at that age, I saw and experienced the violence and the potential for injury. And I enjoyed playing football, and I was successful at it. I was good at it. Our teams weren't that good, but, but I was good. I was good enough to play and start, and I enjoyed it. But the violent aspect of it and the injury aspect of it, even at a young age, did occur to me. Now, when you're younger, you know, you don't, you don't think about injury. You don't think about, about mortality. You just go out there and do. Like I said, my friend was 18, him and his friends, and they just went out to play tackle football on a Saturday afternoon in the park just for the heck of it. Did it a million times. Never thought about major injuries. When you're young you think you're immortal. When you're young you don't you don't ever think about dying. You think about the moment, you think about fun doing. But as I said, I I don't know, I don't know what it is about me. I don't know why, but I've always I've always taken a step back and did a little I instead of just being devil may care all the time, I always took a step back. And, you know, I was an only child and, and, and I was always around adults. So I was a little more mature um, in my ways uh, at a young age than many of my peers because I was around adults. I was around my mom and dad. I, as I said many times before, when you're, when you're an only child, you know, you, you play with your friends during the day, but then you go home and you're either by yourself, so you have to find a way to occupy and entertain yourself, or you're with your parents. You know, there's just the three of you. And so, you know, we, we are sponges when we're kids. We observe and we act based on what we are around. And so if, if, if you come from a big family with a lot of kids then you're going to spend time with your brothers and sisters and that's your peer group at home you have your friends and then you're hit in that same mindset when you get home there's younger people or peer group you know around you so you that's where you're getting your influences you're always around younger people who think differently obviously than adults but if you're an only child you're 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 around your 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 friends for a while, but you're mostly around adults. Your parents or their friends come over, and so I always feel like 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 only ch- only children are a little more uh, a little more depending on the person. Obviously, this is not a blanket statement, but they always seem a little more mature at a younger age because I believe they've been exposed to adult thinking in adult influences on a daily basis more than on younger viewpoints where anything goes. The irresponsibility of youth is not as strong of an influence on an only child. so. Uh, and I was, and I was, and I was, there weren't many only children in my, in my peer group either. So I was, so I always, you know, was, I always took a step back and everybody was doing something crazy. I'm like, uh, I'm not doing that. And I was a lot of times viewed as, oh, you know, you don't, you know, I lost a lot of friends early on because I was, I was always kind of more, uh you know, because I, I as I said, I had this kind of adult view, like, well, this, someone can get hurt here. This isn't Right. You know, but I mean, hey, but other you know other kids are like let's just do it. That's that's the that's the the freedom of youth. Let's just do it. They, little kids and young kids, for the most part, don't think about consequences. They think about the experience and the moment. They don't think about what might happen. Hey, let's jump over that fence and let's let let's you know run in somebody's yard or whatever. Blah blah. blah. And I would always say, yeah, but what if they, what if some, what if the, you know, what if some comes out They're not even thinking of that, they're thinking about how fun it's going to be to jump the fence and, and go in someone's yard and pick apples or whatever they're going to do. But I'm like three steps ahead, but wait a minute. Okay, fine. We, we jump over the fence, we go in the yard, but what if, what if the owner of the house comes out and they don't want us picking their apples or whatever it is? I'm just using it as an example. So I was always, and as I was like, you know, that's so. That's not even that far from when I was talking about, yes, the last podcast about my daily planner. I'm always looking three or four steps ahead. Always have, I guess, from a young age. So even at the age of 16, when many of my friends, many of my and my fellow players on the team, were looking forward then after sophomore year to being on the varsity, after playing two years and being pretty good. Being a captain on the team, being a starter on on offense and on defense, uh, I had some really you know exciting plays and some long touchdown runs and some great tackles. I you know I, I did what I was supposed to do. I was a good player, but I also did experience. Some of the, down, the downsides of football on the injury side. Uh, I, was, I got hit being a, uh, a fullback on the last play of, a, of, the, of the half of a, of a game. I was running, and somebody hit me with their helmet when they tackled me right on my knee. I mean, straight in my knee. And, I mean, it was painful. It, 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 you know it, it swelled up. Now, this was, you know, 35, 40 years ago. So we didn't have the medical technology that we do today. And there wasn't the intense scrutiny and care and sports medicine that there is today. When I was growing up, I don't want to sound like, you know, in my day, but it's true. I mean, you were, you were supposed to walk off an injury. You could just walk it off; it'll be fine. You're fine. You you weren't taken for X-rays. You weren't you know you didn't go to a to an orthopedic guy if you had a you know you just sort of walked it off. Now today, my gosh, even at the you know at the the grammar school level, if kids are hurt or something, there's there's uh, you know protocols for concussions and. X-rays and all this stuff. We didn't have that. You were expected to walk it off. I mean, today when you see a football game or any kind of sporting event, I was watching the soccer. I mean, you know, any break in, in, the, in any break, uh, the football players, basketball, especially any kind of thing where there's a repeated uh, you know activity, not so much baseball, but hockey, basketball, football, soccer. Uh, you know, anytime there's a break, boom, the trainers are running out with water for, for the players to hydrate. I mean, players are constantly drinking water. Hydrate, 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 right? I mean, that's the mantra for the last 35, 40 years. When I was playing sports, water was used as a reward. You have to yeah unless you do fifteen plays perfectly in a row, you can't get a drink of water. We were denied water. water was used as a reward. You could never do that today. A league or a school would never allow it because it's not healthy. Parents would go nuts, but in those days, that's what it was done. There were some times when we when I was so thirsty especially on a hot day playing football that my lips were chapped. They were, my mouth was so dry. Especially when you're having you know double sessions of football in the summer, double sessions of practice before the season started in August, the hottest time of the year, and we're playing football. But water was used as a reward. When I played basketball in high school and in, in, in grammar school, once again, water was used as an award. You have to run a certain amount of exercises, and then you can get a drink of water. Today, that, that's viewed as barbaric. But we survived it. I'm not sure how. I doubt if that's going on anymore. I know it was terrible. But I got hit in the knee and it swelled up, but I never was taken to a doctor. They, they never took me to a doctor. So, you know, the trainer looked at it, the coaches looked at it. I said, "Well, this looks swollen." I don't. Nobody. I never went for an for an MRI or anything on my knee. And after a week, and I they told me I, I was I, I did a, I, I went in and um, you know uh, in a in a in a hot tub in a, in a you know with a, with a you know with the jets on it to get the swelling down. And the swelling did go down, and I played the next week. But I also played baseball, and I was a catcher, and I needed my knees. And I did have some ancillary knee problems on that knee throughout my high school career. I, had to, I wore an ace bandage. I mean, I, I know I'm sure I had some kind of cartilage or something, or a ligament, or probably cartilage, floating around in there, it probably, probably tore some or something. Because it would actually, when I would walk or sometimes it would or run, it would actually get stuck. When my knee, something would would would, would make my knee um, just lock up. I used to wear, I could move something around. Now I'm sure now that, now that's gone away. When I stopped playing sports, that went away. All the 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 crouching and the bending, it probably just disintegrated. But right now, I could feel. When I when I when I bend my knee, I could feel it's probably bone on bone in certain areas. Thankfully, up to this point, I haven't had any serious problems with my knees. Hopefully, I won't need any kind of, you know, knee surgery. Or I never had knee surgery. Hopefully, I won't need any, you know, knee replacements. But this is what I'm getting at in a, in a bigger uh, a bigger note of it. So I uh, and then I mean I practiced one time. I forget. There's something called being clotheslined. When you're running and somebody sort of sticks their arm out and hits you in the head, excuse me, hits you in the head, and my God, I mean, I saw, I went down like a ton of bricks. I got clotheslined. I went down like a ton of bricks. I was seeing, I have seen stars a couple of times, and that's not good. I know what that means to see stars and uh, but once again i pro- i may have had a concussion get up but you were come on walk it off so i i liked playing football i was good at it but i wasn't in love with it and even in the short period of time that i played i had enough injuries or at least some episodes where I was kind of like, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I need to keep doing this. Plus, our teams at our school weren't that good and they the varsity teams weren't very good. And I'm like, what am I, you know. What am I going to be sacrificing all this for? And as I said before, if I had one sport that I was very good in and I liked and maybe felt like I maybe had some potential to play, it was baseball. So I was happy to get out of football in one piece and I wanted to keep my body healthy to play baseball. So after a couple of years, I quit football. Uh, because i saw and not only did i see it but i experienced the violence and that potential to get hurt on every play and there were times when i did between getting clotheslined or getting hit a couple of times in the head and seeing stars and as i said before you know your ankles you twist your ankles and you and you hurt your knees and and um I just was like, you know, this is not for me. Now, don't get me wrong. When I was playing baseball, I mean, for the most part, baseball is not an overtly contact sport, but I was a catcher. And now today there are many rules that you can't, at home plate, a player can't just barrel into the catcher and knock them over and try to lock the ball loose when they're trying to score a run at home plate. But that was a very common play in baseball since its inception. You were encouraged. There's a famous play that happened in, a, in an all-star game involving Pete Rose, and the catcher was a guy named Ray Fossey in an all-star game. Didn't even count. And Pete Rose was coming into the plate, and the ball came at the same time, and he 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 barreled right into Ray Fossey, gave him a shoulder. I think the ball went flying. Pete Rose scored, and Ray Fossey was never the same. Majorly injured then and never was the same. And there's been many plate home plate uh, plays like that to finally now there are rules that you can't run deliberately into the catcher for safety reasons. But that's only been in the last 10 or 15 years. Once again, when I played... That was a common occurrence. And I was a bigger guy, so I was able to, you know, when someone was coming at me, even though I was standing still and they were coming at me and I had played football and I had a a bigger upper body, so, you know, I could give it, I could be a formidable, uh, you know, a formidable wall there when this guy's trying to knock me down. But once again, I'll never forget. So there was many plays where I would get knocked down, and I just got up again. I don't know if I ever got a concussion. One of the famous plays that that happened to me like that was um, we were playing in a regional game, and there was a a guy at third base, and he was at least 6'2 or 6'3. He was a big guy. He ultimately got drafted to play in the pros. He played an A ball and double A ball, I think. Big guy. He was at third base, and uh, there's a ground ball to the right side. And so he's coming at me, and he was a football player too, so he know how to hit. And I'm standing there, and he's coming at me. He's running hard, and I'm just, I'm, you know, don't forget, he's running. He's got the, the, the force behind him. I'm standing still. I'm going to take the brunt of this. And I, phew, I went flying. There is a picture of me in the Chicago Sun Times because this play was so. I'm literally off the. I'm off the ground. Like I said, I was kind of a bigger guy too. You know, at least you know chest wise. So I, I did a little damage to him too. This picture is hilarious. I am flying in the air. My feet are off the ground. I'm flying in the air backward because he hit me, but he's down and he's kind of slumped over and I'm flying backwards that my helmet, my little half helmet is coming off. It's a great picture. I still have it and I held onto the ball for the out. Thank you very much. (laughs) But I mean, I got knocked. I mean, I got knocked a few feet, but I kept playing. I don't know if I got a concussion. There's another time when I was about 13 or 14 in my little league. There was a foul ball on the the, the the first baseline in foul territory. It was right between home plate and first base near the dugout. So as the catcher, I was running to, it was a foul high foul ball. So I was running to catch it. The first baseman was running to catch it. I dove. I didn't know he was there. I thought it was more near home plate. I dove. I caught it. Once again, thank you very much. We got the out. But when I dove, my forehead hit his chin. (laughs) I heard the gunk. I heard the bone on bone. People in the stands heard it. We were both knocked out for a second. They brought an ambulance, and they took us to the hospital right on the field. They took us to the hospital. That was actually good. That was the first time that ever happened. I remember walking into the emergency room with my baseball uniform and my, my steel spikes <laughs> clicking on the – the. but I played the, uh, two days later. I don't know if I had a concussion. So sports are violent, but as I said before, I wanted to play. After this catastrophic um, injury to uh, DeMar Hamlin, they're going to play football. They're playing football. They, didn't, they haven't canceled the rest of the season. Even though it was a, a wake-up call for many players as to the, the violence of the game that they make their profession – that they have dedicated their lives to. They all went out the next weekend to play. So it'll be interesting to see if this has a temporary result and consequence or if there's some more long-standing results of this. Yes, this could have been a freak accident. But in football, there is the potential for both a freak accident, like the one that happened to DeMar Hamilton, Hamlin, or a very real potential on every play to, hit, to, to twist a knee, to get hit, to break a rib, to break an arm, to break a finger, to break a hand, to get a concussion, to break a neck. One of the most famous injuries in football history was in 1978. A wide receiver named Daryl Stingley was hit by a defensive back whose nickname was the Assassin. Okay, Jack Tatum. He used to hit people with reckless abandon. He would, he would, he would come at you from. He would wait 10 yards out and run at full speed and hit someone. That was his nickname, the assassin. And he, that's what he was taught to do. And he was, he was rewarded for that. He didn't shy away from that nickname. And he hit people all the time and they got up and went back to the huddle. But this one time in a perfect storm, for whatever reason, when he hit Daryl Stingley, he broke his spine. And Daryl Stingley was a paraplegic in that moment. And he ultimately died about 15 or 16 years later, or 20 years later, um, in the mid-2000s, from a paraplegic-related injury or illness. And I remember when it happened, once again, play stopped. There was a hush. The game wasn't suspended, though. He was taken off the field. Nobody knew what the extent of his injuries was, so it wasn't like this heart attack, you know, this cardiac arrest like um, DeMar Hamilton ha- or Hamlin had. The game went on. And interestingly enough, to show you the mindset of the way football was then, like I'm telling you, when I was a kid, how we were taught, hit, 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 get up, walk it off. That's the, that's the game. That's what you were taught. Jack Tatum never apologized to Daryl Stingley. They never spoke after that injury. But in Jack Tatum's mind, this is the mindset. It's Whether it's right or wrong, I'm just telling you what happened. I'm sure in his mind, he was like, hey, that's football. That's what I'm paid to do. He never publicly apologized to Daryl Stingley because I think in his mind, whether he's right or wrong, he didn't do anything wrong. He He didn't do it maliciously. He wasn't out to paralyze him, but in his role as a defensive back, his job is to hit the receiver as hard as he can in order to both tackle him and potentially make him either fumble the ball or miss the ball. So in Jack Tatum's mind he at least was able in his own mind to reconcile the fact that he didn't do anything wrong so he never felt the need to apologize. Whether that's right or wrong that's for other people to decide. But that was the mindset of football back in 1978. But Daryl Stingley never walked again after that play. And yes there was a moment when The violence of football was questioned, (laughs) but that was 1978. Football has only gotten more popular in the last 45 years. There was a gruesome injury in 1985 on national television Lawrence Taylor of the Giants tackled one of the best quarterbacks in the game, Joe Theismann, and broke his leg, and you saw the leg break. And it was, and still is, and I'm sure you can go on YouTube if you want to see it. It was, you never saw a leg do this before I mean and I believe it was a compound fracture too so I think the bone came out it was it was so gruesome and many people call it the most catastrophic injury ever it was it was oh it was just difficult to watch and basically as I said it Joe Theismann I believe came back but he never he didn't play long after that it was Lawrence Taylor didn't do anything wrong. Once again, I don't. I'm, I believe he he did apologize. But what do you apologize? But ultimately, I mean, you know, you want to be a good person. But that's the nature of the game. That's his job. It was it, it was Lawrence Taylor's job to tackle the quarterback. And when there's all these things going on, everybody's running and and twisting and. And it's it's you know the, the quarterback is is trying to elude the tackler, so he's running one way. He might not be seeing this guy, and this guy's job is to hit him and tackle him and bring him down. And your your body is wide open for injury. Everybody's is. And uh, uh, you know these guys are bigger and stronger. Lawrence Taylor was a much bigger guy than Joe Thisman was. And you hit somebody the right way with your helmet. And, uh, you know, yeah, bones are strong, but they're, they break. Yeah, you know, if you want to go on YouTube, I'm sure Joe Theismann's injury is on there. It was not easy to watch, but it was another reminder of how violent football is and the consequences of it. But once again, that was 1985. Football has gone on. In 1986, Jim McMahon, the Chicago Bears, in a in a flagrant, blatant, oh, violent tackle, completely unnecessary, just re, or just 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 out of out, 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 you know just wrong. The Bears and the Packers were, were, were they've always been big rivals, but for some in the '80s there was a, a major rivalry between the Bears and the Packers. The coaches, Mike Ditka, uh, and uh, the Packers' coach they they were they were not. Uh, I think they may have played against each other, so who knows if there were grudges between them? I think the coach's name was Forrest Gregg. He was an old-time football player, too. He probably played against Ditka, so I don't know if there were some grudges there. But anyway, there was a hate, and there was a lot of violence. And, uh, in fact, this one player coming up, and this was 86, if the Bears you know, just had won the, the Super Bowl the year before, so they were, you know, other teams were out to get them. And the Packers in the Bears division, obviously not happy about the Bears being so dominant. There was this uh, defensive player named Charles Martin. He literally had the numbers of people their ne- like on a, on a towel that hung from his pants. He had the number of players that he was out to to get and to inflict pain on during that game. It's almost a hit list. That's the other side of the game too. That's you know you 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 you, you teach people to be to hit hit hit. And some people can leave that on the field, but other people might not be able to. You indoctrinate them into a world of violence that they don't even think correctly. So there was this play, and McMahon threw the ball in a good two or three seconds after the play, after he was done. He was just standing and watching the ball and watching the play. Charles Martin came behind McMahon, he was a big guy. Jim McMahon wasn't that big. I mean, he was a big guy, but not for a quarterback or a football player. And Charles Martin was at least you know three or four or five inches bigger than him. He was a defensive player. And he literally picked Jim McMahon up and body slammed him on the ground. And as I said earlier, that's when Soldier Field had AstroTurf. So that was basic. There was no give in that AstroTurf, as I said to you earlier. So basically, it was as if a guy picked someone else up and body slammed him on concrete. And Jim McMahon saw stars. He was hurt. I think he was hurt for a couple of games. And he was never really the same after that. And sadly, Jim McMahon, in his mid-50s, has signs of dementia. Jim McMahon got hit quite a bit. But I would not be surprised if that hit, that one hit that Charles Martin did, in 1986, may have done permanent damage to Jim McMahon of the effects of which he is now feeling. It was, it was, it was just a violent act. If, if that had happened anywhere else except on a football field, Charles Martin would have been arrested. It was, it was a violent act. Now, you can make the argument that entire football is one big violent act. So it will be very interesting to see how this injury, this episode to DeMar Hamlin will affect football because it's hard to say what caused it. He got hit like every other player gets hit all the time. It may have been a freak accident. It may have been a freak injury, but it happened, which means it's possible. And what a horrific event that would have been if he would have died on the field. But the potential was there for that. So it will be interesting as we head into the NFL playoffs and we lead up to the Super Bowl next month in February. The high point of the football season, now there is going to be, it's inevitable. There is going to be a cloud hovering over football. For the rest of this season, through the Super Bowl and moving on, given the way our society is today with social media, there will, there, there I, I guarantee you there's going to be calls for rule changes, but I don't know if you can change, this was not deliberate. This may have been a freak accident, but as I said, but it happened. It sadly is a consequence of playing a violent game. It does give us cause to take a step back and reflect and, 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 and think about the realities of the game when, when the fans and the players and the owners and everybody involved tries to put that, that violent aspect and that, that scenario for serious injury out of their minds in order to play this game. As I said, there's, there's, there's no, there's no loss for players trying to play football in the in NFL. It's America's most popular sport. But it does have a serious potential for violence or for serious injury. Maybe even fatal injury on every play. So it will be interesting. I don't really have an answer. All I know is when I played football, I got hurt enough where I stepped away. If you're a parent of a young of a young boy or girl, some girls play football. Have you or will you allow them to play football? For some athletes, as I said a few weeks ago, sports has always been a path out of poverty or or um, or other kind of social or economic um, inadequacies, inequalities. Football players make a lot of money. There were Roman gladiators. It's a part of our genetic code. It's a part of who we are. And so I don't really have any answers for you, but I guess I have a question. Is Can we continue to be in denial? Or do we find a way, if there is a way, to make football safer? I don't know. Hey, I'm a football fan. I watch football games. But I do watch them knowing that, and having played the game on some level, I know the potential for injury. It's not easy. People enjoy watching the games. People enjoy playing the games. People make their their, their living out of it. It's a tough call, but it's a tough game. And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast, we are there. And don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion is much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 346. I'm Jim Torano. I am here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic from the end of the web to your screen.